Hey, hey, and welcome into the Big Ten Huddle. I'm your host, JR, and we have got a lot to talk about in the Big Ten. It's the football episode, so going to be a lot of news and notes, things like that, heavy stuff. We have Zach from the Big Ten Talk podcast and Connor from Inside the Nest here to talk with us today. Zach, how are you doing tonight? You know, a little little under the weather, but but good enough to talk Big Ten football, talk about the playoff expansion, uh, talking about all these different rumors going around about Big Ten conference alignment. This is a big, big show, so I'm excited to be here. Oh, yeah, a lot to talk about tonight. We're going to get into it. And we've got our uh, Iowa fan, Connor, here with us. Connor, how are you doing tonight? How's Iowa treating you? Oh, wonderful, man. We just snuck out a dub against Michigan State on the road. You know, never easy to do. So I'm, I'm riding a little bit of a high right now. So stoked to be here. For sure, man. We're going to have a lot to talk about with that last night. That's one of those games that I circled that's like, man, if Iowa wins, this is going to be great for the podcast because uh, we'll have a bunch of angry Michigan State fans watching. We'll have a bunch of uh, excited Iowa fans watching. So upsets normally do well. People normally like when we talk well about their team. So Absolutely, man. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right. Hey, people, we have got a lot of good things to talk about. If you look over here on the side, you'll see that we have FSU to the Big Ten, Florida State, is coming to the Big Ten. It's not like an official thing yet, but I've heard some rumors that I'm going to fill you in on, and then we'll get these guys' perspective on that. We're going to go through some USC expectations. We did this with Oregon a while back. Made some Oregon fans mad. That's okay. We'll talk about USC. Might make some USC fans mad. We'll see how it goes. We're going to talk about Keon Sab to Alabama. Was Alabama tampering? Were they getting in there? Were they talking a little bit too much? Maybe doing a little bit of the tamper tamper? We'll see. We'll talk about that. We're also going to talk about some Big Ten offensive line recruiting because we know in the big 10 that's what we like to talk about most the big uglies down there on the offensive line can the big 10 grab some of those guys and then we're also going to talk about the new college football playoff format the five plus seven those kind of things but before we do that please do remember to hit the like button comment be in the chat let us know that you're watching give us some information uh on what you think about what we're talking about we'll feature your comments we want to connect with you do that even if you're watching after the fact comment and let us know what you think after the video and then please know that we are brought to you by big banter sports big for all your big 10 media needs all right guys let's get into it so our very first thing we're going to talk about Florida State is heading to the Big Ten. So this has not been officially announced, but if you've been following the saga, you know that some more stuff is going on. I actually know somebody who is an assistant athletic director in the Big Ten, and she's been giving me some information, and so I wanted to relay that stuff to you. I'm not reporting that all of this stuff is you know, 100% true and you can go with it. I'm not Pete Femel or anything like that, but this is the kind of stuff that I'm hearing, and I think it makes for good conversation. So essentially, FSU, as you know, is suing the ACC for the grant of rights, and the ACC has countersued back because if not, then FSU, Florida State, would have to stay connected with the ACC through 2036. That is like way too far away. I can't even imagine what's going to be going on at that time. Um, my daughter was born in 2021, so she would like merely be in college at that time. I don't want to think about this book. I don't want to think about yeah, you just you just took it to a place I don't want to think about. Let's get back to football. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so essentially what's going on is the ACC is opening up a bid for Florida State to buy out what that number is going to be. We don't exactly know, but the number is supposed to be more attainable than what we originally thought. And Fox in the Big Ten really want Florida State 
to come over to the Big Ten. Florida State does not apparently want to go to the SEC, and the SEC does not have interest in Florida State. So, if so facto, works out that Florida State has an avenue to go to the Big Ten, and the Big Ten wants to make them a full share member. Well, negotiations are starting, and FSU needs to join by August in order to be in by 2025. So we're going to probably be getting some information this offseason about this if things are going to continue forward. But here's the big thing with it all, is you've seen all of these teams go in pairs to another conference, right? We saw Oregon and Washington come to the Big Ten. We saw Texas and Oklahoma go to the SEC. We saw USC and UCLA come to the Big Ten. We see all these pairs coming together. Well, the big issue here is that Florida State is coming most likely with Miami. And then the third school, we'll talk about this a little bit more later on, is Notre Dame. Notre Dame is coming because of what's going on with the college football playoffs, those kind of things. Again, we'll talk more about that later on. If you watch the full episode, you'll understand why that is a thing. Originally, the plan was for North Carolina to be that fourth team. However, if you've been following the legal stuff of what's going on there, is that they're having some issues with their government not wanting North Carolina to leave without NC State. So kind of trying to lock them into staying in the ACC. In addition to that, North Carolina is not a viable market for the Big Ten without Duke. So if you are an Ohio State fan or a Michigan fan, you get this because you hate watch your other team or an Iowa fan or a Nebraska fan, you know, or whatever, you know, Minnesota, Wisconsin, whatever it might be, you hate watch your other team. And that is one of the reasons why North Carolina's market is viable is because of Duke, who hates them. They hate them. Goes together. Their market is larger, obviously, because of that. However, if you don't bring Duke over, the issue is, is North Carolina actually going to be viable without a consistent rival in Duke that hates them? So it turns out that these rivalries in college football are actually pretty important, and we do need to actually keep those around. Uh, Zach, my first question to you. So obviously, Florida State, Miami, Notre Dame. Florida State is pretty much a lock. We're, we're pretty sure that's going to happen. Miami and Notre Dame as well. We're pretty sure, but obviously those aren't on the same level as Florida State right now. What team or team do you believe makes the most sense to come with Florida State, Miami, and Notre Dame over to the Big Ten from the ACC? I thought Miami died in 2002. Did I did I forget that? Sorry. Uh, that's they, they did, but they've been resurrected with NIL. <laughs> well, at least they're a shell of themselves. But um, I, I am not – I have friends that are Miami fans that I love. But in general, they've been chirping like crazy, and I don't understand why. But that's neither here nor there. That's not what you asked me. I, I think UVA – makes the most sense with those three because of the academics and because of the, the recruiting opportunities, the pipeline and the, the networks Um, you'd get the Virginia markets. You'd probably get some Southern Maryland markets. You'd get DC. You still, you get DC with Maryland, but it would make sense with Maryland. You get UVA. And for those who might say, well, what about Virginia tech? Um, I, that's never been like, it's, it's a rivalry, but remember they were in separate conferences for a long time. Virginia tech was in the big East, uh, mm-hmm. for a while while Virginia has always been in the ACC. And so while I don't think you get a great football program, 
you do get, I think, a viable market booster, which I think it's it's similar to Maryland and Rutgers, quite honestly. Like you weren't getting Rutgers in Maryland because they were they were stellar programs. You were getting them because you were capturing the East Coast. Right. And particularly the two of the biggest media markets. I think with UVA, you solidify the DMV area, mm-hmm. which I think is huge, especially for recruiting, um, but also for for media rights. And if you look at the whole map, you know, Notre Dame makes sense because it's Notre Dame. They they probably have the biggest national following. But then I, I always thought Florida State made more sense than Oregon and Washington because you are going to capture the Southeast market, which is the one you couldn't, you really couldn't get uh, with their current footprint. You could get West coast with USC and UCLA. You get more of it with Washington and Oregon, mm-hmm. but Florida state unlocks the one piece of the country that the big 10 didn't have access to. And so from a media perspective, you get, you get UVA and Florida state and Miami combine it with Notre Dame. And you, you essentially have the whole country now in terms of the major media markets. And so I, I think that's, I mean, it's, it's checkmate in a sense of media rights for conferences. Yeah. That's really interesting to think about. What do you think, Connor? For me? I mean, honestly, I think that I didn't think about Virginia at first. I think that, that they'd be a perfect addition. They kind of match up well, especially with, as far as style. But for me, I, I wouldn't mind going after a team like Syracuse. You know, I think that a team up in that area would be uh, another team that, you know, it's cold up there. They fit the mold of playing a physical style. I, I want teams that kind of, you know, mesh well and come in as opposed to the USC's and, you know, Washington's that have this Pac-12 style offense and, you know, sorry, defense. So, I, you know, I, I just want to see a team like Syracuse, maybe even, we already talked about NC State, their defensive line and their linebackers. They remind me a lot of Iowa, so they kind of give me the most matchup well. As I'm not really thinking as far as markets. I'm thinking as far as, like, a weekly stand, like matchup base here. So who I want to see Iowa against, who I want to see Ohio State playing on a weekly basis, things like that. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. I, I try to think of both the market and like, who do I want to come in? Uh, I don't, I don't think from what I'm hearing, the big 10 is thinking of anything of like play style, which is kind of unfortunate because you, you would like for offenses to, to think of that stuff. But, but you know, it, I mean, it is what it is. It's all about money, right? This isn't about, you know, oh, <laughs> let big yeah, 10 I'm fans watch that. Right yeah, I'm just right. Exactly. Exactly. But I think the same way, I, you know, because I actually thought of Syracuse as well. I was like, man, Syracuse would be great because they could, you know, they do play kind of that more physical brand of football. And, you know, what were they built on? They were built on running the ball. I mean, that's yeah. when you think of Syracuse history. That's what you think of. And um, North New York uh, offensive linemen are actually not terrible. I mean, that's one of the areas where they actually do OK in recruiting. Uh, so I thought of them as well. But I also thought of Georgia Tech just because of the market down there right now, Georgia has that pretty well locked up with recruiting. Uh, but if you get the Atlanta market down there and you get them invested and, you know, we talked about the recruiting for the DMV, like they're, you know, one of the best States for recruiting right now behind probably only Texas and Florida is Georgia. I mean, I feel like Georgia has better recruiting right now than even California does in some ways, at least overall, you know, giving you every single player that you want. So um, I think of them and then kind of an outside thought for me would be Boston College. They're 
kind of a weird idea there, but you think about like nobody is really up in the Northeast and right there in the middle of the Boston. And like, you know, I, I know the rumors of like why Bill O'Brien went there for his family and stuff like that. But like, I still think back to that and think to myself, like, why would you take Boston college? Like that job is just not, yeah, like, it's not a good job. It's not a whole lot of money. Like, like not a I get, he's, in my opinion exactly like and i get like he you know is a home guy and stuff like that but like the guy went to alabama you, you know the guy went to the texas the guys went to the penn state like obviously there's a part of him that doesn't have to stay home and he was at those places for a long time um so i don't know maybe there are some rumblings there happening with boston college that we don't know about or maybe this is just me looking into something that's not really there and it is just quite as simple as, you know, the idea of he wants to be near his kid who who is sick and has a disease and wants to help, you know, do that more. I don't know. Zach, does, is it crazy to think of Georgia Tech, Syracuse, or Boston College? No, I, I hadn't thought of them. And it, Georgia Tech really fits the media standpoint. Right. But, I, you know, I think if you want a balanced conference, you know, I think whenever we kind of fan book it, you know, you do it on NCAA, it's like, right how can I get Alabama, Ohio state, Georgia, and USC in the same conference? Right. Um, but like there is, there are logistics to this. And I think with Boston college and Syracuse, you really fill out the bottom. I, I don't mean this negatively, but like you're filling out maybe the lower prestige of your conference, which you do need because, you know, Northwestern, like you want Northwestern to thrive in your conference. You want Rutgers to thrive as best as they can. Like one, I think one of the greatest stories that I, I covered uh, on the show, and I know we've talked about this several times, like Rutgers went six and six with a ridiculously hard schedule. And that's a, it was a huge success. It was a big story. Um, David Braun winning big 10 coach of the year, big story. And like, they're not winning, they're not winning playoff games, but like at, that's, always been the heart of the big 10 is not just celebrating the superpowers, but also celebrating the teams that have really worked hard and really made a really good showing of themselves. You know, even just talking about Bill O'Brien, like we celebrated him taking Penn state to heights that we never thought they would because of the sanctions and not because he won a national championship. And so I think Boston College and Syracuse again you're you're hitting markets like you're hitting more of that Boston market uh you're hitting more of the New York market so like I think there's viability there and you're you're filling in more of the maybe the the lower tiers of your conference which I think is actually more important than people realize Yeah no that's a great point um you have to have those guys down there otherwise you're just leaving you know the the teams that struggle more down to you know essentially die and it's like you know if you're a team of Ohio state or Michigan or Oregon, then you're like, Oh, okay. It is what it is. But then, you know, to them, it's not, it is what it is. They, you know, they want to have seasons to compete too. So uh, Connor, what do you think about those three teams, Georgia tech, Syracuse and Boston college? I, I absolutely love it. Like I said, I mean, I, I am all in favor of Syracuse. They'd be the team I want to add, but Boston college completely forgot about them. That's a team that I've seen Iowa play in a bowl game before. And it was just like the most gritty matchup ever. I think that they they fit that mold. And again, I'm thinking just as far as play styles, but 
you know, I really do appreciate a team like them, especially with a Bill O'Brien. You know, you've seen him elevate all these teams over the years. So it, I, I don't think that it'd be far-fetched to see them join and and actually elevate and be a team that's comp- or sorry, comparable to, you know, a Nebraska or Iowa or Wisconsin in that area. Maybe not. That's probably a reach. But And then Georgia Tech, I mean, you guys already nailed it on the head as far as the media. I mean – they've kind of changed their play style over the years. So it's kind of hard for me to really see where they stand, but I, I, I'm all in favor as far just bring me whoever. <laughs> just get it done. Right. Let's follow this yeah. conference and make it happen. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, man. I feel that man. I feel that. All right. Well, good discussion there guys. Um, I, I think that it's going to be really interesting. And honestly, I feel like in this, I don't have any information on this. It's just what I feel like. I feel like once we add four more teams and, like, I feel like that's kind of it for the ACC and the Big Ten. Like, I, I don't see them trying to reach 30 or something like that. I see, you know, 22, maybe 24 is what they fill it out to. Um, but at the end of the day, like, at least for the foreseeable future, I don't I don't see the Big Ten wanting to go much more after that. So, uh, all right, guys, let's talk some USC. So USC is coming into the Big Ten next year. We talked about Oregon, and uh, we had some Nebraska fans talking about their ex or their uh, experience with coming into the Big Ten and talking about how Oregon might have a little bit of a rougher path path than what we might think. Well, USC is coming in, and we haven't talked about them as much because Oregon is kind of that first team that people are thinking will probably contend in their first year. I, I don't know of how many people think USC will contend, but they're definitely going to be a tough team to play. Lincoln Riley is a good coach. Many regard him as a top five coach in college football last year. I don't know where he's kind of universally regarded this year, but uh, they hired uh, Deonton Lynn, who was a fantastic defensive coordinator for UCLA last year, and he could do the same thing with USC with a lot of the talent that they have. So, Connor, we'll go to you first. What are some fair expectations for USC fans entering the Big Ten? Are they looking at yearly contender, maybe contending every two or four years, maybe contending every five to ten years? What are your thoughts on uh, realistic expectations? for USC? I don't think anyone, especially USC fans, will agree with me here, but I think it's probably like a five to ten year thing. I'm one of those guys that I just think that it's easier said than done to come join a new conference. And if they do the very stereotypical thing, like come and have to play in Minnesota or Wisconsin come December or January, those aren't going to be wins for them, in my opinion. So I I I wouldn't be surprised to see them regress a little bit here. Um, obviously they lost a lot of talent going to the draft this year. Um, it will be interesting to see, you know, especially with Alex Grinch staying in the conference, how they, how they match up against him. Um, he was just a God awful coordinator for them. They did get a huge step up, but yeah, I, I put him as like, a, I'm looking at the bottom here. It says tier two, one, two or three. I'd put him at a two right now. I don't think mm-hmm. uh, USC fans would agree. They have themselves as a top three team already, but. I just don't see it that way. I remember the holiday ball, like probably 2019 and Iowa beat them by like, I don't know, 20 points or so. So they they just don't match up well. Yeah. We beat them pretty good, man. And that's, it's the same kind of style offense. So yeah. Yeah. I put together kind of a, uh, tier list of stuff I was seeing from other people. So this isn't exactly my tier list, but this was something that I kind of put together through looking at other people's tier lists. And what I kind of came up with was tier one is Ohio State, Oregon, Michigan. Those are like 
you expect those guys to be contending year in and year out. Uh, as long as they are no, you know, big issues or something like going on, like those are the teams that should be contending year in and year out. Tier two are teams that, you know, should be contending, but they might have a year or two where they are kind of down for a little bit, but they'll, they'll pop right back up and be contending again. That's Iowa, Penn State, Washington. I didn't really agree with that, but, you know, hey, that's what a lot of people put them put them there as uh and then wisconsin and then tier three was kind of like that contending every five to ten years type of deal and that was minnesota and michigan state and then tier four like they can contend but it's not going to happen very often i also had a disagreement here but maryland nebraska northwestern ucla and then tier five was illinois indiana purdue Rutgers. it's that's the one where it's like it's going to be a miracle if they're you know contending in the big 10 stuff like that. So again, that's not exactly my list that I fully agree with, but it is from looking at other people's lists that I found on, you know, articles and online internet that kind of seemed to be where most people were having these people at. So uh, Zach, what are your fair expectations for USC in the big 10? And then if you had to insert them somewhere on this tier list, where would you think to insert them? You know, I, I think I'm on record on your show actually of saying, I don't know if USC is getting bowl eligible next year, um, which I I'm, I've been walking back slowly. They, they have an absurd schedule though, next year, particularly non-conference LSU, Notre Dame at a conference. Um, they have to go to Michigan. They have to go to Washington. They host Nebraska at home, Penn state at home. And I, I think, the issue is I think USC could be a tier one school, you know, with the resources, the recruiting, but I think a lot depends on what everyone else is doing around them. And also did, did Lincoln Riley get this defensive coordinator hire, right? Because I think that the problem they run is if, and I, I think Dan Lynn is, I think he's legit. But if they don't get the success right in year one and year two, I think they I think they're already playing from behind. And I think they will continue to play from behind. Because unlike the Pac 12, which the Pac 12 was a good league last year. But like remember, they everybody thought they were going to be the Pac 12 uh contender. And they lost five games. Uh they lost to Notre Dame by 28 points. I mean, it's just, that's not a national championship contender to lose to Notre Dame by 28 points. And that was with Caleb Williams. Now I know the defense is terrible, but if you look at their recruiting and the transfer portal, it has not looked great for them. I I don't care how any USC fan slices it. There have been USC fans who have said, well, they they weren't going to be program builders anyway, the players who transferred out. And yeah, we didn't recruit, but we still have some great players. And they do, which is why I think it's hard. I, I think where I would look at is what's the five-year trajectory of Michigan and Penn State and Washington and Wisconsin? Uh, because I think if you start to look at those schools and they start to dip, then I think USC becomes a tier one school. Because you're talking about, I think Ohio State and Oregon are well positioned right now in that tier one. But like, we don't, we still don't know what's going to happen with Michigan. Like, Michigan kind of feels like it's on fire right now. And we haven't, we still haven't heard anything from the NCAA. 
I still don't know where Penn State is. I feel like they've maybe this is the last year of their window. Washington, I don't know what's going to happen because of you know with Jed Fish, they they lost Kalen DeBoer, they lose like literally their entire offense, and Wisconsin. Like I want to believe in Luke Fickle, but he just brought in Alex Grinch, and we we just got done talking about how bad Alex Grinch is. Um, I, I I don't understand it. I I love Luke Fickle. I think he'll do. I think he will do great. But th- you have a lot of question marks right now. Whereas a month ago, I didn't think there was as many question marks in the Big Ten. So I think I, I would say I'm in between that tier one, tier two stage with them. But I, I think any USC fan that says they're a lock to be tier one, like you need to level with yourself a little bit and recognize there are way more question marks than Oregon or Ohio State right now. You probably have the same amount of question marks as a Michigan or a Wisconsin at this point. Yeah, no, when I when I was looking at, at stuff, it seemed like most people kind of had them tier three. And that was one of the issues I had with it because in my mind, I swap USC and Washington and say, you know, USC tier two, Washington tier three. That's just in my mind what I see more. Um, And I think the future is bright for USC in it that kind of like what you were talking about, like as these question marks continue to happen, recruiting is only going to get better for USC because Mm -hmm. there are only two teams in California that are power conference teams, them and UCLA. And the rumor is that UCLA can't even scrounge up a million dollars to be in their NIL fund. So like if USC has an NIL fund, they're going to do pretty good out there in California, even if they're not, you know, winning the big 10 every year, because guess what? That's, that's going to be the California school. Now, Oregon and Washington could dip in there a little bit, but still the hometown school is USC. So I, I think the future is bright for them, but I, I love that you brought up the schedule because to me, like USC can be a tier two team, but they could go eight and four this year and not look like a tier two team, but they're still a tier two team because they have that talent. Cause I mean, like, let's just go through the schedule really fast. Who, who here is a gimme cupcake game? LSU, not a gimme cupcake game. Utah state. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. At Michigan, I mean, no, no. like even Still if they no. have the thing, yeah, like even if they have the sanctions and stuff like that, which we have no idea what's going to happen, but like you know, they, they still have Sharon Moore who won games for them last year, bringing back guys on defense. Like that's still a really good Michigan team. So uh, Wisconsin at home, no. Uh, at Minnesota, like maybe if it was at home, but. If it was home, yeah, but away and no chance. That's not a cupcake, I would say. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would probably pick them to win if they were at home, but even at Minnesota, I don't even know if I'd pick them to win. Um, I agree. So, because, I mean, Minnesota, I, I, I think they're better than people give them credit for. Uh, Penn State? No. I mean, even though it's at home, like, yeah, at Maryland? I mean, maybe, but, like, how tough is the road, you know, traveling on the road actually going to be so well and 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 with that just not to uh goodness i can't remember his name it's the coach of uh maryland head coach oh, mike loxley mike loxley how, how do i forget who loxley is like he is bath like he boggles my mind of how he loses the gimme like loses the gimme games but then he'll like 
come close to play up really. Yeah. Like his teams play up and down with the competition more than maybe anyone else currently in the big 10. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like it's going to be a gimme game if Mike Loxley doesn't get his guys ready, but if he does, (laughs) then you're in for a war because like, yeah, I mean, we saw what they did to Michigan last year. Like that was a war. Um, now Rutgers at home. I, I mean, it seems I'm, like I still it. love Rutgers, man. I, I right, and like that's the thing, Rutgers. Like they're going to have a really good offensive line this year, and Kyle Manungai is coming back, and like it's either Gavin Wimsat or Ethan Kaliak Manis, which I don't think either one is like the best quarterback in the world, but they both have experience and they're both older. So, I mean, right? No, I agree completely. I think USC will probably win that game, but I'm not going to say it's a cupcake. Oh no, definitely not. Yeah. Um, yeah. At Washington. That's not a cupcake. At least I have like a familiarity with them now. Yeah. Um, Nebraska at home. If Matt rules, bring him back as much talent as we thought. I mean, we'll see what Dylan Rayola is, but that's my upset of the year. I think I've said that several times, but I'm, I'm sticking to that. I think Nebraska gets USC on the road. Yeah. Um, I can see that too. At UCLA, like again, like all these teams that like you would think, oh, if they're at home, yeah, they're a cupcake. They're going on the road, like so. Yeah, they're not kind of screwed, man. They they, they did. One. There's no doubt. And then uh, they're going to finish it off with Notre Dame. <laughs> like, yeah, they played one group of five teams. Notre Dame played one group of five. That's crazy. What were you saying, Zach? I just said, I mean, Notre Dame and LSU. They're you're talking probably two top fifteen, top ten teams. By the end of the top season. 20 at the very least. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think, I, th- I think there's a legitimate chance that USC could go, you know, 10 and two. I think there's also a le- legitimate chance they go seven and five. Right. But even if they're seven and five, I still feel like they're a tier two team. Right. Right. The record won't look like it, but. Well, it, it goes, I, I think it speaks not just to the strength like the strength of the big 10, like you're not just like the issue with the big 10 more and more now is, you know, back 10 years ago, you had like Ohio state and like Iowa would rise up or Wisconsin would rise up or Michigan state would rise up, but like everybody else was terrible. And like, Mm -hmm. that's just not the case anymore. Like even like I I get on Minnesota and PJ Fleck all the time because I think, you know, I, I, I feel like PJ Fleck does less with more, but like, there's a reason why they went five and seven last year is because the big Ten's actually pretty good, like across the board. And I, like, I think if USC, it thinks that they're coming into a conference, that's, that's a bunch of cupcakes in Ohio state and Michigan, they they're so wrong. And like, I, I kind of, I really appreciate you bringing up the, the holiday bowl. Cause I, I remember I think I was doing the ESPN bowl mania thing and and with some buddies and they're like, you think I was going to beat USC? And I'm like, I was going to get bullied in that game. And they got bullied in that game. And I think every game aside from the Rose bowl in 2016, uh, which was the the amazing Saquon run. That's the, the, that play that he went like 75 yards. It was absurd. And they, they ended up losing you Penn state ended up losing. I think that's the last time USC has beaten a big 10 team. 
we we beat we beat USC. Yeah, you said Iowa got bullied, but you meant USC got bullied. Yeah, it's USC got bullied. Um, okay. <laughs> I, I think the last. Sorry, thank you. You're good. In the Rose Bowl in 2016 was the last time USC beat a Big Ten team. Yeah, and that was Penn I think State. so too. Yeah, like and like Iowa's beat them. Uh, Ohio State's beat them. Uh, I feel like uh, I feel like Wisconsin maybe has beaten them. No, not Wisconsin. But they, they yeah, just, I was thinking Wisconsin, but I don't know. I'll have to go back and look. Uh, but no, you're right. I mean, like uh, the Big Ten, like for as much crap as the Big Ten gets for having weaker bottom tier teams, like the bottom tier teams in the Big Ten still beat the bottom tier teams in the in the ACC. The bottom tier teams in the Big Ten are still able to contend with, you know, the bottom tier of the SEC. Like if the the gap is not as large as some people make it out to be. Um, but I think Chris brings up a good point here. He says USC needs a defense to be competitive until they find that they're a third tier team in the conference. You're right, Chris. And I, and I am being a little bit preemptive saying they're a tier two team because I believe in uh, Deonton Lynn to give them a good defense this year. But, you know, at the same time, they could just have a terrible defense and then it's like, okay, they're a third tier team. You know, it just kind of depends on this year and, and uh, what we get from them. So I wish we played them earlier in the year this year because uh, I think we could actually put up a lot of points on them before they find their groove, get a little bit of confidence for the year. Yeah, you After don't play them at all, do you? No, no, not this year. Yeah, you have to. Well, you guys have like five rivals, so it's going to be hard yeah. for them to play the. <laughs> yeah, we have uh, we have a lot of protected games. It's kind of wild. <laughs> Penn State has none, and Iowa has like five. I don't get it. <laughs> Nobody. Hates I'm not mad there. Yeah. Uh, all right. That was a good discussion, guys. Let's move on from USC and get to kind of the big thing here. Keon Sab has transferred from Michigan to Alabama. So the interesting piece here is that this information was not Keon Sab texting somebody or something like that. This was this actually came from the Alabama NIL. I think it's called Yeah Alabama or something like that. But um, kind of strange to see an NIL collective breaking the news that somebody has enrolled in classes for <laughs> their school. Uh, so obviously Michigan fans are going on and on about this and saying tampering, they're cheating. Uh, obviously Ohio state fans are saying, no, you're, you know, sanctions are just coming he's getting out and doesn't want to be there anymore. And there's other teams that say, look, he's hired an entire new defensive coaching staff. Maybe he just doesn't like those guys. Uh, I think all are viable possibilities. Uh, unfortunately, we, you know, don't have uh, Keon Sab going out and doing interviews telling us exactly what happened, but it is very, very interesting. And I'd like to get your take on it first, Zach, uh, just from all of this stuff going on, do you believe was Alabama tampering to get Keon Sab to Alabama? I, I don't know. I feel like I've, I've heard a lot of, I've heard a lot of uh, like heard a lot of things, seen a lot of smoke. Uh, you know, it, it, there are some things that that make it seem like maybe Alabama pulled the trigger a little too early. At the same time, it's it's hard. Like I, I a player doesn't transfer unless they like know where they're going, especially if you're a player as good as Keon Sab. Right. Like you, you right. want to know where you want to go. Um, 
especially in in the world because if you if you go in the transfer portal and you don't know what you're doing it's a very real there's a very real chance you're not going to get picked up or you're going to go a tier or two lower in terms of like d d2 or fcs or so i i think all of the the claims of like well how could he enroll in four days i'm like well i think it's very easy to be like all right what are my options i'm going to enter the transfer portal and i'm going to be I'm going to be done. I mean, we've seen it with other players like Caleb Downs. I, I don't, I don't think it was four days, but I think it was a pretty short turnaround. Uh, several other players, a very short turnaround. Um, would I be surprised if it's tampering? No. I mean, I think that's SEC teams have been skirting the rules forever. So, yep. you know, I'll, you know, an SEC team tampering with an NCAA that does nothing. Oh, gee, I wonder. Um, but uh, again, I, if they are, there, there's a part of me that's like play by the rules. There's another part of me that's like, well, if the NCAA is going to do nothing about it, like, is it really tampering-ish? Like, like, it is and it isn't. I don't know. I think yeah. it's it. the optics are not great. But then I, I'm like, well, the, I think the bigger issue is there's not a lot of concrete consequences that the NCAA is willing to put into play. So I, yeah, I think that's the big, honestly, if that's the bigger thing is it, does the NCAA care? And if they don't, then I'm, I'm, I almost, maybe this is cynical of me, but I'm almost done caring. Right. Um, Jeff makes a good point. He says, where is the proof of tampering? And, and I think that's the biggest thing is like, there is no proof. Um, but like, if we only establish tampering to when there's proof, like then nobody would ever tamper. You know what I'm saying? Like, did we have a bunch of proof that Tennessee was tampering? Did we have a bunch of proof that Florida state was tampering? Maybe some, but you know, so I'm not necessarily saying you're wrong, Jeff. I actually agree that like we need proof in order to say something for sure happened. Um, But I don't think it's wild for Michigan fans to say, it's likely that he was tampered with for them to come out and say he was tampered with. And that's all it ever was. Yeah. That's not correct because we don't have the exact proof of that, but to say like, Hey guys, there something fishy's going on here. Then, you know, I can see where they're coming from. Uh, Connor, you feel the same way. What do you think? Well, I just think it's hilarious that one Michigan's complaining about cheating. I mean, I'm, I know that's all. I knew somebody was going to make that joke of it. Uh, it's just like, come on, man. And I also think it's hilarious that uh, Alabama's getting involved with the tampering case after what went down with Caden Proctor in Iowa. They were we had to report this whole thing because one of our recruiting coordinators had texted him, "Keep your head up." So if, yeah. if that's considered tampering, then, oh, my goodness, I promise you on everything that, that Alabama was tampering. Will it ever be caught? Like Zach was saying, probably not. But And I'm to that point, too, where I'm like, I, who knows? I, I don't even care anymore. But to me, there's no doubt. There's just no doubt. Yeah. Uh, Jeff makes another good point. I agree the SEC has always had the church handshake deals. Yes. Uh, them and Clemson building uh, their – in God's name, image, and likeness. Um, I always thought that was a funny quote by him, uh, especially since their NIL money was coming from that church, uh, which, uh, you know, we'll, we could also say, where's the proof on that? But, you know, 
Seems likely. Uh, Blue by 90 put out a tweet, and this got a lot of traction today. Um, unfortunately, I don't have it loaded up to my computer, but essentially the tweet says Keon Sab just committed to Alabama after being in the portal for a whopping total of 87 hours. So that means theoretically he A, entered his name into the portal, B, was contacted by most likely hundreds of coaches, possibly, but again, where's the proof? Uh, C, weighed the pros and cons of each school, D, then committed to the school, that school being Alabama. If you have all that happen a matter of less than four days, I have some oceanfront property in Iowa I would like to sell you. Connor, you have oceanfront property out there in Iowa? Oh, plenty, man. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Great. I'm happy for you. Um, No, I mean, and and like, that's the thing. Like, Blue My 90 does make some good points here. Like, can you really accomplish all of that in 87 hours? I, I mean, you can, but like, does it make it easier to be talking with somebody first before, you know, like, again, I don't think it is realistic to say this was 100% tampering and there's no other excuse for it. Um, but at the same time, like, you can't just say 100% it was. Zach, you look like you're, you got some thoughts. Well, I, I saw that tweet earlier and I, I want to be careful because I, my, my Ohio State glasses are, are, I'm very tempted to put them on. I, right. I, I, I just think if you're under the impression that Keon Sab was evaluating a hundred different coaches and like their offers, I think, I think you're a bit naive. He just won a national championship. You're not going to consider a hundred different schools. You're going to consider five to 10 at most. And like, if you get a call from Alabama, I don't care if Saban's not on the sideline anymore. There's still going to be a top 10 program. Like, so I, I, th- I think that's where I'm like the, the whole tampering thing. I, I totally can see it happening. And like the time frame, I, I would agree. 87 hours is very, very short, but where I would really push back on the accusations is like time, like understand that Keon probably had guys in his corner saying like, these are the schools you should be looking for. Right. Like, this is not like recruiting where you're like taking a year or two to figure out like, who do I have the best relationship with? Like he already has established relationships with coaches. He already knows different cultures because he's done the recruiting process. Like, I just think that, it's it's funny. I, I think I thought of this topic and wanted specifically to react to that tweet. And you just said it. So I'm like, ah, <laughs> I don't like it because it's, I and I think Ohio state fans, probably we did this when our guys transfer out. Um, right. But it's like, you know, Julian, Julian Fleming took a long time, a longer time, but it's like, he, he had a plan probably in his head is like, I'm not going to be a starter here next year. Who are viable options? And it's probably not Utah State, right? That's not one of his options. He's thinking Power Five, big name school, preferably SEC or Big Ten. Well, that's like six to six to ten schools, right. and he went with one that he was familiar with. So right. I I don't know all of Keon Sabs. I don't know if Alabama recruited him out of high school a lot. He was committed to Clemson, okay, but, and then he committed from there to go to Michigan. Yeah. So, like, I mean, he had at least some ties down south. Right. And so I 
I don't know what his relationship was like with Kalen DeBoer. I don't know what his relationship is with the current out, but I just, I think I would just encourage everybody who wants to, to signal tampering when their player gets poached just to understand there, there easily could be tampering. Um, but then again, I counter, I appreciated your point about Caden Proctor. Like it was tampering because someone reached out to him as a friend, which is stupid by the way, like that, that would be considered tampering. Right. But like, that's 100%. so like, it, sorry, I, I, my inner rage monster is coming out because it's, it's just coming back. The NCAA is stupid. And yeah. that, that's all I want to say. <laughs> That's something we could definitely all agree with. All SEC, Big Ten, Michigan, Ohio State, the ACE, the NCAA sucks, and we hate that. Wow. What, what do you think, that. Connor? Ah, uh, man, I, I couldn't have said it better. But I don't know. I, I think when you look at it from a broad scope here, every team tampers. I'm not going to lie uh, to some degree. Uh, like I said, if what we see from the Caden Proctor situation is seen that way then it's likely that every player who has an idea of who who they're going to talk to before even putting their name into the portal. That's just the way I see it. I could be completely wrong, um, but I I just think we live in a world now where a lot of people aren't going to report things and they're going to get away with a lot of things because it's easy if you just keep your mouth shut. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah, for me, like that's the biggest thing is like every team is tampering somehow and the smart teams do it the way that they won't get caught. Like I made a post earlier today on Twitter and this is basketball. So forgive me. I know we're on our football show, but uh, Bruce Thornton at Ohio state, his mom is currently fielding calls from like coaches at other programs right now. And like, she doesn't want to hear from that. She wants to watch him play out the rest of his year at Ohio state. And you know, then maybe they'll think of it later and he'll decide to enter the portal or not. Well, this kid, I mean, it was even before Chris Holtman was even fired. Like there were coaches reaching out to his mom saying, Hey, don't, you know, don't let Bruce forget. We recruited him, you know? Oh, Hey, uh, don't let Bruce forget. Like there would be a spot here for him. Like, I mean, I don't have those quote, quote, you know, quote, quote words, but right. Like, I, I, I think that would be hilarious to do that personally, but, um, but like that kind of stuff goes on all the time, whether coaches are talking to the mom or recruiting directors are talking to the uncles or whatever, because there are ways to talk to these kids other than just, you know, texting them up front. Uh, meanwhile, we have 19 and 20 year olds that are just trying to get prepared to play the next game. And if their coach gets fired, then it's like, you know, what's going to happen? Or in this case with Keon Sab, if your coach leaves, and you have a brand new coach and brand new coaches on defense, you're just trying to get to learn your coaches. But at the same time, you might have people talking to your mom or talking to your uncle and saying, Hey, Keon could be a star player at Alabama or Keon should come back to Clemson or whatever else. And um, that's, that's my main thing is like, we, we need to do what's best for the players and what's best for the players is to let them make their own decisions in a good way that is knowledgeable and, you know, doesn't require, um, you know, them to make decisions too quickly, but it is what it is. So, um, I think we answered that pretty well, guys. Let's, uh, 
I would ask more on that, but we have to move on. So uh, let's talk about some Big Ten offensive line recruiting. All right, guys. So it's been interesting because the Big Ten has historically not been great in recruiting. However, since 2020, actually in 2020, they got the top three offensive linemen in 24-7 sports uh, offensive lineman class. All the top three guys went to Big Ten schools. Well, now in 2021, four of the ten off, top ten offensive linemen and 24-7 sports recruiting rankings went to Big Ten schools. And then again in 2024, four of the top ten big or the top ten 24-7 recruits went to Big Ten schools. And now this year, eight of the top ten uh offensive linemen recruits in the 24-7 top 10 offensive linemen are seriously considering some kind of big 10 school. Now, obviously that helps because Oregon USC teams like those are also being considered, but uh, guys, it, it's important for the big 10. I feel like to do a good job in recruiting and to get those good players. I believe it brings, you know, notoriety brings prestige uh, in that, in those ways, but also it just makes your team better. So, uh, Connor, we'll start with you. Do you think it's realistic to think that the Big Ten could sign four or maybe even more of these top 10 offensive linemen in the 24-7 sports top 10 rankings this year? I mean, I hate to keep bringing them up, but you look at a team like Iowa and you would never think that they'd have the number one overall tackle from his class. Mm-hmm. And I get that it's kind of like where he's from and that's going to happen. There's going to be top talent from all sorts of states, but I think uh, when you look at how how the Big Ten produces these linemen consistently year in and year out, and if the caliber of teams like Iowa are getting talent like that, then yes, you are going to consistently see them top to bottom all get all this time. Like Wisconsin is one of those powerhouses, and I was looking through some of those names, and a lot of these guys, you know, have all the big offers from SEC, and that's always going to be the, the schools that are listed, but. You always see these guys taking a visit or two up to all these schools just to to let them know that they are uh, interested. So that's where I, I they always have a chance, and I would not be surprised to see them continue. Right, and I mean Iowa, they're contending for um, I'm gonna botch his last name, but Andrew Babalola, uh, he's uncommitted right now, the number three tackle in the nation, dudes from Kansas. Um, we have so, a teammate of his committed to us right now who is a four-star, so that always helps. I mean, doesn't guarantee yeah. anything, but nice to have those connections. Right, and I and I don't think people realize how much Iowa recruits outside of the state of Iowa. Like, I made a post earlier today, like, Iowa has five strong or four strong prospects in the, in the uh, state of Florida right now. Iowa is one of the Big Ten schools with the most strong prospects in the state of Florida right now. Like you wouldn't think it thinking Iowa, but like they Kirk Ferentz is doing work out there in Florida, really going after those guys. So uh and they regularly sign guys from Idaho as well, from Texas. I mean, they go into all of these different kinds of states and sign guys. Now it's not always the five star top tier guy, but you know, Iowa they go out there and recruit and to see them going after a guy in Kansas, like that's a pretty good shot for them to be able to do that. Um, Zach, your thoughts on the big 10 possibly signing four or more of the top 10, 24 seven offensive linemen in this class. Um, I I certainly think it's possible. Um, I think the thing that uh, I'm just looking at their, where they're from, you know, you look at David Sanders, he's from Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, Josh Petty, 
from Roswell, Georgia, uh, Babaloa from Kansas, uh, Solomon Thomas, who's committed to Florida state. He's from Florida. Um, you go up the list. There's, there's not many who are in the North. Um, you know, obviously Carter Lowe is an Ohio yeah, state. Carter Lowe is yeah. from Ohio. Um, but there's not a ton that are, that are squarely in the South either. Um, you got a guy from Bishop Gorman who's, who's that's Nevada. Um, a couple of Texas guys, um, guy from Kansas, but then you have some guys from North Carolina and Virginia. And so I think it, I think it's always hard to get guys from the South to come North, but I think the guys in Virginia, Kansas from North Carolina, you've got better shots there. And then every once in a while you pull a shocker, you know, out of Texas or out of Florida. I know Ohio state pulled one Nicholas Petit Frere several years ago out of Florida. Right. Um, I think he was a 2021 class or 20. Yeah, he was, he was a, I mean, it was a shocker that he yeah. committed. Um, but that's, I, I think that is one, one key. That's why I think getting Florida state and some combination of Georgia tech or Virginia really would help the big 10 in the long run as well. But the other thing to to keep in mind is there are better recruiting teams coming into the big 10. So you've got USC, you've got Oregon, uh, Penn state has been a little bit better as of late in recruiting. Um, obviously Iowa has had some big recruiting wins. Wisconsin had a, had a decent recruiting class and the big, the big names in the SEC outside of Kirby Smart, like they're not as prevalent anymore, right? Like Saban, you know, Saban used to get anybody he wanted. He's gone. And Kalen DeBoer is not, he's not a great recruiter. Like he's a good recruiter. He's not great. Um, I think Sark still has some work to do. I think he's a good recruiter. Um, Venables is a good recruiter, but like there's, there's nobody down there aside from Kirby smart where I'm like, Oh yes, they are without a shadow of a doubt, like a closer. Um, where I, I think you might have more, like you might have more equal footing now in the big 10 in terms of recruiting acumen. So I, the, the real difficulty is location, right? But you have, you have coaches who can go pull guys out. I think Dan Lanning might be, might be the best recruiter in terms of head coach. Um, it's probably between him and Ryan day. Um, but I think, I think between those guys and some of the the more solid recruiters, I think you could see this easily being in favor of the big 10. Yeah. I mean, I, I look at it kind of like those top recruiting guys, like you were talking about, like you asked me who's a better recruiter, Kirby smart or Ryan day. I think Kirby smart has the edge, but I also think Kirby smart is in a better location. So like, would Ryan Day be recruiting just as well as Kirby Smart if he was down in Georgia, like Kirby Smart is? You know, who knows? Um, but I also think Dan Lanning is a better recruiter than Steve Sarkeesian, you know? And then, like, I try to think of, like, well, who's the third best recruiter? Maybe Brent Venables, but, like, is it Lane Kiffin? Like, is he the third best recruiter <laughs> in the SEC? And it's like, well, I think James Franklin is better than both of them. You know, like, it's kind of crazy because I don't – I mean, when you get down to like the nitty gritty of it, I think obviously Kirk Ferentz does a better job than I think people give him credit for at Iowa. But like, I couldn't compare, you know, Billy Napier to Greg Schiano. You know, I don't have enough information to do that. But 
uh, I would say it's equal enough that if the Big Ten starts really putting the emphasis on recruiting here in the next three or four years, I mean, obviously, I don't think it's going to happen this year, but here in the next three or four years, especially if this talent continues to spread out more like we're seeing it do, um, and Iowa go into Florida and some of these other guys go into other places, like you can see the Big Ten start recruiting better than the SEC. It's not likely, but especially in the uh, transfer portal too, though, you never know what could happen. Yeah. You can see guys for leaving Florida to come up to Iowa just for the sole focus of playing time. So you never know. Yeah. Yeah. An NIL is, is very much uh, an X factor. I know we, we talked about it a lot, but I don't think, I think uh, most big 10 schools will have a, will have very competent NIL in the next several years. Like I think it's, I don't think it's just going to be Ohio state because of the alumni backing, because of the media rights deal. Um, They're all getting the same amount and that's going to help maybe the, the lower tier schools. Like I think Iowa, I, I appreciate you bringing up the transfer portal counter. Cause I think Iowa is one of those schools that if they find a way to really like, weaponize that weaponize is the wrong word, but that's the one that came to mind. Weaponize or NIL. Like you really could have a, a, a dominant presence in terms of offensive line. And I think you could do that from the word go with recruiting too. Cause I think you can point to past NFL drafts and be like, do you want to be a top five NFL draft pick? That's what I'm saying, man. I agree. Especially if you're a tight end. Yeah. Yeah. Then, no <laughs> tackle. Um, Hence the jersey behind you there, Connor. <laughs> shout out my boy. Uh, Jeff brings up another good point here. I wonder if USC will be able to recruit O-line guys in the Big Ten country, Ohio State on the West Coast. That's interesting. You know, I think, like I said, I think USC is going to do better in recruiting here going forward because, you know, it's just them. Oregon, Washington, UCLA, and obviously they have the advantage down in Southern California because there's what big 12 teams down there. But like, if you want to play real big ball, like you're not going to go to a big 12 team. Sorry, big 12, but you're not on the big 10th level. It just is what it is. Yeah. Um, But like, I could totally see USC, like if they have a good batch of O-linemen in a few different classes, if Lincoln Riley really like commits to trying to get those O-linemen and maybe, you know, takes a class off from, you know, paying millions of NIL dollars to a quarterback, then, you know, maybe (laughs) that could happen. But, um, but yeah, I think, I think a lot of USC's uh, dependence on them working out in the big 10 and contending being that tier one team is for uh, California to be producing good offensive linemen, number one, and number two for Lincoln Riley to be uh, putting in the effort and putting in the prioritizing to say, we need to get these offensive linemen. So, all right. Good question there, Jeff. Um, I think that's a good job of wrapping up recruiting. We'll go to our last subject here. College football playoffs, new five plus seven format. So we said we were going to talk a little bit about why this matters for Notre Dame wanting to come to the Big Ten. So we'll hit on that really fast and then we'll open it up to these guys and let them kind of talk about was this the correct decision and whatnot. So what has happened here is that even if Notre Dame finishes the season, the number one team ranked in the nation, Notre Dame would not be able to get a buy currently in 
the big in the college football playoffs because the first four spots, the buy spots are reserved for the highest ranked conference champions, which means you're probably going to see a buy from a Big Ten team, an SEC team, a Big a Big Twelve team, and an ACC team. Obviously, if a group of five teams sneaks up there or something like that, but uh, even if Notre Dame is ranked number one and like the Big 12's winner is ranked eighth, like they would still get the buy over Notre Dame because of the way things are written up there. So uh, that that is one of the reasons why there's so much speculation now that Notre Dame is going to join a conference because like no matter what Notre Dame does, if they want to win the national championship, they're going to have to win four games. They can play as well as they possibly want in the regular season, but you're going to have to win four games in the college football playoffs, which is going to be difficult to do uh, in order to get there. So uh, that that's one of the big reasons there. But Connor, uh, your thoughts just on the five plus seven model. Was this the correct decision? Do you think this is good for the Big Ten, bad for the Big Ten? You know, what's what's your thoughts here on that? You know, I don't know if it has really a good or a bad outlook, in my opinion, towards the big time. Um, I like that they did it. I think that there was a no-doubter for me. I, I think I read that it was unanimous for them, too. I could be wrong. I don't know about that. but No, it was, yeah. Yeah, so they, it was just a no-brainer. And uh, for the Big Ten, though, I just think that we were likely to have two teams no matter what. As Once I saw 12, I just before I saw the format, I'm already sitting here thinking there's guaranteed two teams, maybe even three. Who knows? I, I kind of go back and forth with that with the SEC, but so that to me, it doesn't really have the worst of a of outlooks on it. But yeah, you know, I, I'm all in favor of it. It gives a team like Iowa a chance to you know not win their conference and still have an upward shot. Yeah, I think you could see three teams get For in. Sure. You know, I mean, because like I look at it and it's like. You know, well, this past year, who would have been better for the college football playoffs? Like, who won the Big 12 last year? Was it, um, was it Kansas State or it was Texas? But other than Texas, like, was Oklahoma really better than Penn State? No chance. No, like, so who who deserves to be in the playoffs there? Like Penn State or Oklahoma? I'd, I'd argue Penn State did. Like Oklahoma had a nice game, but they also had a cupcake schedule, and they, you know. We're barely able to finish with that. Um, so, you know, it's interesting. It's interesting to think about. Um, but, yeah, Zach, your thoughts on just the – was this the correct decision? Is this good or bad for the Big Ten? What do you think? It it was the correct decision. I think it's – I'm going to maybe take this a different direction if that's right. I think it's transitional because I think we're all – I think we're probably all in agreement that this is moving towards – the big 10 and the sec probably breaking away at some point. And so I think this is the right system for what college football used to be. Because one of the things I've always been frustrated about is that you can't play your way in. So Florida state is the perfect example, right? For them to win their conference and go undefeated and not get in. I I, I don't care and maybe you guys disagree with me on this, but no one will ever convince me that that was the right decision to leave them out. No, I agree with you. Like, like never. And that's been my frustration with the system we've had. And so when people, you know, I think uh, Tom Fornell, Fornelli was like, I preferred the two plus zero system, like the the old BCS. I'm like, that's stupid. Like, and I, I think Tom's a great analyst, but 
you have no way of earning it. Like you're just right. whatever the opinion is. Yeah. Yeah. What you know, who did we, you know, who did we think were the best two? Whenever you start saying, well, this is who we think, I'm just like, stop it. It wasn't earned. Right. Um, and I like that there's a an automatic berth for a group of five team. I like that because I, I think then it includes them. I don't care if they get killed in the first round. Like, I think it's great for the sport. I think it's like, I think underdog stories are really, really good. And I, I get that college, there's not as much parody. But if you want to create more parody, I think you you have to do, you have to, do certain things to create it. And this is what it, it's not the only thing you can do. If you just do this and then do nothing to help elsewhere, then they're going to get slaughtered 98, nothing every year. But this is at least a step in the right direction. My, my one critique of it. And I actually saw someone post about this. The, the five seed is going to be an, a conference champion and they get the 12 seed. And it's like, if the five seed happens to be like the Sun Belt champion who went eight and four, but was the best group of five team, and then they get like Clemson as a non-conference champ who went like eleven and one or ten and two, it's like we're going to reward the number twelve team by giving them. So that that's my like one critique with the system. Like I don't I don't know if I would have the. I, on one hand, I understand putting giving the conference champions buys, but at or like the top five seeds, I just don't know. I don't know. It could be better, but I, with all things considered, where it's, the sport is right now, I think it's the right decision. Yeah, I, I have to look at this at two levels. You know, as a as like a college football fan, I think it's great that the group of five is able to get their champion in. You know, like that, to me, that makes sense. That gives them, you know, viability to make it in. Like as a college football fan, I would love to see every conference. Like I'd be like March Madness where every conference gets in. And I mean, how much fun would we be having if Liberty upset, you know, Penn State or something like that? Um, Just got Penn State on the brain. I don't think they actually would. But uh, but something like that, like how much fun would that be to see a group of five team come in and upset somebody? Like it would be so much fun. I mean, obviously, as long as you're not a fan of the team that gets upset but um but to me like as a college football fan that's what i want to see as a big 10 fan selfishly thinking i want to see you know wisconsin and iowa and those teams like that earn their due because you know you have iowa face liberty last year i think iowa wins that game you have wisconsin face liberty last year i think wisconsin wins that game even though wisconsin wasn't great i mean because i still think that the talent and the size and the ability of these teams are better than teams like Liberty who, you know, are a nice story, but let's face it. They played the worst schedule in all of college football and they went undefeated. Good for them. But like, that's kind of going to be the formula now for group of five teams. Like just play the easiest cupcake schedule ever and you'll get in. What do you think, Connor? Oh, no doubt. And I think that's like the one thing Notre Dame's still weighing on themselves before joining a conference is they still have power to control their schedule. And, they can make it a cupcake every time for it. And it, I think they'd be fine with having the six or seven seed every year. Obviously, if you can play one less game, why wouldn't you like try to play for that? But I don't know. I, I definitely think that uh, 
you're right that a team like Iowa or Wisconsin is probably going to beat up on a team like that. But I've seen Iowa lose to North Dakota State, who is not even in the FBS. So I, I'm I'm all on board for anything can happen kind of thing. So yeah. I, I'm a fan of it. Yeah, and I think to go off, and this is I think something you mentioned, Jr. with the tampering stuff. But the the point, and this has always been my frustration with the system is the point is to care about the players. And so as a fan, like I, I get media and, and rights and all that stuff and what's best for my team. But what I love about this is every team now knows there is a pathway to the national championship. Yes. And that to me matters so much because you're not going to get any more of these, you know, forget Florida States. You're not going to get any of these liberties or UCFs that have an undefeated season. It's like, what's your reward? Oh, um, a bowl game, which I'm like, well, that's nice, but like, you're not going to let me compete for a, a national championship. And like, I, I don't like this idea. It's like, well, you're just not good enough for that. Like, I just think that's dumb. And yeah. it's, it, it defeats the purpose of competition. And so for, you know, for all the money that's, that's in it and whatnot, I, I don't care about that. Um, I want to do what's best for the players. And I think going in this direction, you, you can start, every team can start the season talking to their boys and saying, Hey, we win all our games. We're, we're going to be in the playoff now that, that's maybe not as true with group of five teams, but for the most part, you win all your games, you win your conference, you're going to be in the, you're going to be in the, in the dance. And that yeah. to me matters a whole lot. Yeah. I mean, that's what's special about, you know, basketball and March Madness and stuff like that. Like you win your conference, you have a chance. And like, that's what's special about some of those like smaller conference tournaments is like, you see this team who was it last year? Was it Drake or somebody like that? That like they were a lock and everybody thought they were going to make it to the tournament because they're going to win their conference tournament. And then it was the team that was barely 500 that beat them. And they made it to the, you know, they made it to the NCAA tournament instead. So, um, you know, obviously we won't have that drastic of stuff going on, but still, um, we do have a few comments here. I for, I forgot to, uh, put them up sorry people but chris said anything screws notre dame that makes me happy yes i uh i i, I uh i like that as well chris <laughs> he also said three big 10 teams should be a lock annually i agree i agree i think the big 10 should have three annually and the the uh, sec should have three annually and then maybe you see a second acc team in there um well, can i ask a question off that yeah what yeah. what do you think the max possibility is for the Big Ten on a given year? I mean, I don't think they'd ever get more than four. I think four is possible, but I think four is also unlikely. Yeah, I'm kind of at three. I mean, I I would it should be a lock, but I wouldn't be surprised to see it dwindle a little bit there. They they favor the SEC. The bias is not surprising. Yeah, five. I, I mean, that would be crazy. That that's my thing with five is like I feel like the SEC bias is too strong. Like, do I think five teams could be good enough? Heck yeah, for sure. But, no, absolutely. I just don't think they would ever do it just for yeah. the sake of they don't. But I'd love to see that. Team. What do you think, Zach? Well, I I wondered if five. 
my my only thought is like you could have because I'm I'm trying to do the math here. One from the ACC, one from the Big Twelve, one from the Group of Five, and then you have one and one with SEC and and Big Ten. You'd have seven at large. Yeah, I, I think there's a world. I, I I would agree. I think three is two to three is most likely every year, but I think there's a world where because schedules don't match up, like you have like three 11 and one teams and a 12 and O team and maybe a 10 and two team. And maybe the 10 and two teams like in Ohio state, whoever is like, well, they're really, really good. Yeah. So I, I think it's, I think five might be in the realm of possibility, but I think a lot of factors, but I, I, I that's helpful. The, the sec bias, I think, I think is right. And my guess is they will want to put in a, a second at large from either the ACC or the big 12. Yeah. Yeah. I think like if Clemson makes it to the ACC championship versus Florida state, there's no way they leave both of them out. Like, or one of them out. Like they're going to put both of them in there. So, um, Chris has an exa- example. Rutgers has a cake schedule and could end up ranked high enough to go fourth or fifth from the big. Um, yeah, I mean they they do have an easy schedule. Uh, I look forward to talking about Rutgers. I think next. I think Alex coming on next week or a couple weeks in. Uh, so we'll talk Rutgers then. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it just depends on how much does the committee value that schedule because are, are they going to look at them and say, Oh, it's Rutgers and they play this cake schedule or are they actually going to give them, you know, their dude? Yeah. So they will say, no, it's Rutgers. They played a cake schedule, unfortunately. Yeah. In my opinion. Right. Dave, do you got, Oh, sorry, Dave. I missed your first comment. Let's get on the other stuff. Uh, Notre Dame should have made the deal with the ACC or should have never made the deal with the ACC. They should have stayed independent and have all their sports still be, with the Big East. Yeah, so they're still independent in football. Uh, but, yeah, they do have their, what, basketball and all that stuff with the ACC. I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty. I feel like they probably should have just because of the way the ACC is kind of like strung all of these teams together with their grant of rights and things like that. I know that Notre Dame has their freedom of football, so they're not quite as connected to it as other teams are. But, you know, the Big East seems like just as viable of a product – in basketball as the ACC is. So um, I would agree with that. Do you have thoughts on that, Zach? Um, I have so many thoughts about Notre Dame. And if, if I start sharing them, we might be here till midnight. So you have a quick thought because we're already 15 <laughs> minutes over. <laughs> um, I, but I appreciate people commenting. So I want to acknowledge what they have yeah, to say. No, I, I think Notre Dame I can understand why they made the deal when they did because they wanted to maintain flexibility mm-hmm. and that is especially worked out for them in 2020. Um, I think the big 10 tried to strong arm them and Notre Dame was like, Nope. And ACC is like the ACC was like, here's flexibility. And I think to be honest, while the big East is viable from a basketball perspective, it clearly was not viable from a football perspective. And so the fact that Notre Dame could have a loose tie with football, I think was more attractive, but they didn't have to commit to anything. Um, I, I think when I, I, it's funny when USC and UCLA made the jump to the big 10, my immediate thought was Notre Dame better get their act together 
because they're in trouble if they don't like if they don't if they don't realize they need to join the Big Ten. And I think people Notre Dame fans in particular are like we don't need to join the Big Ten. We'll just join the ACC. And I'm like, ACC ain't gonna last, guys. Right. And I think now now we're here now. I, I think the Big Ten will welcome Notre Dame with open arms. I, yes. Like I don't think it's gonna be a big problem. There's too Notre much Dame. money in that media market too. Yeah. Not open. But like, but Notre Dame's not going to have the leveraging power that they once did either because the Big Ten actually has power. Right. So I, I do think, Dave, I think your your comment is like hindsight. I agree with you, JR. Hindsight's 2020, but I think they've lost some bargaining power um, because they're no longer the driver. Like they, mm-hmm. they are in need now. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Connor, your your co-host is a Notre Dame fan. Danny, right? Yep. Uh, you guys ever talked about this or anything, or do you have any thoughts on this? All the time. Um, but as far as them joining the ACC, um, I'm just thinking about what they care about most there in their lacrosse, football. Um, I think they, they have a pretty solid hockey team. I think that they were just looking at what they could be most competitive in, basketball, all that stuff. So. I think the ACC made the most sense as far as that. Um, I, I don't know if, if if there's ever going to be a decision that they do they make that I agree with because I just hate on them. But <laughs> that's just where I'm at, <laughs> you know. So I love that man. I'll never agree with them because I hate them. Uh, <laughs> that's just <laughs> unfortunately I'm blinded by my bias, but yeah. Um, Dave does make a good point here. Notre Dame in basketball has more rivalries in the beast. That's that's true. I've always felt like Notre Dame doesn't make much sense rivalry wise in the rivalry wise in the ACC. Um, but again, like you said, uh, <laughs> Chris, consensus Notre Dame hate. <laughs> Dave, if you're a Notre Dame fan, I do apologize. We will welcome you to the Big Ten uh, with open arms. But uh, this was apparently not the podcast that uh, was super welcoming to Notre Dame. So. <laughs> But we're having fun with it, so I hope you are too. Um, and I don't know if Jeff is still watching or not, but he did say really fast. Great room. Looking forward to playing Big Ten team. So maybe he's a USC fan or something. So, Jeff, yeah, we're looking forward to it too. I think USC brings a lot to the Big Ten. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying not to crap on him too much because I, I am very grateful um, there. Oh, okay. No worries. Go for fan. <laughs> <laughs> excellent oh yeah you were you were in the you were in the last college basketball or big 10 basketball i knew i recognized your name dave sorry about that uh but yeah we gave the go for some love earlier at least i did i don't know if uh connor did but at least i did. sorry we'll, we'll get it from me it still wasn't a good catch but... <laughs> it's fine <laughs> uh and zach you were a little harsh on him so i guess dave probably only likes me i'll take that. that's okay i I have a love-hate relationship with PJ Fleck, so not that I know him personally, but you know, how, how can you hate somebody that wears skin-tight clothing like that? I'm just right. let, let that lie and just. I, <laughs> I do like I do like uh, PJ in the Big Ten, though. I think he's a fun personality to that, have. That is fair. He's a fun. Uh, yeah, he's a stud. Uh, what do you say here? Who hates what we hate? Who hates what we hate? Iowa. <laughs> no, no one hates Iowa. We're 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 nice. It's like no Canada one, down there. No one yeah. We were all annoyed with Brian Ferentz. Oh, and then you know what? I fully understand that. 
You know what? The the Caden Proctor um, tampering does kind of make you look like Canada because it's like Iowa tampered because they encouraged a player yeah. that they want to come. Also, keep your head up, and that's yeah. as opposed like to other teams tamper by you. like you'll never achieve anything at this school. Come to our school where you'll achieve everything. And I was like, hey guy, hey man, keep your head up. You're you're doing great. Like that's what I'm saying, man. Man, I'm gonna have to start pushing that narrative. So. It's real. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we have gotten off track, but I do appreciate all the comments and I appreciate everybody uh, joining us tonight. The football episodes are always a little slim. So we, if you uh, join in, we always have more time for, for comments. Uh, one last comment just to say, uh, I love Brian Ferentz. Going to miss all the field goals. <laughs> uh, he made our special teams a lot of money, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. got Tory Taylor a lot of love, that's for sure. So hey. yes, yeah, the punter and uh, okay, there we go. Some punctuation. Who hates Iowa? We hate Iowa. Yeah, that's the chant. Oh, oh man. Come on, man, that's all right. Gonna Connor. go out on that note. We just had a consensus Notre Dame hate, so that's, you know. <laughs> that's true. I, I can't be like that. <laughs> I'll just mess with you. All right, uh, Connor, you want to tell people where to find you at if they uh, want to go listen to you more? Sure. Yeah. You can find us on uh, YouTube, Spotify. Uh, that's all we're on right now. We actually haven't had a podcast in a little while. We're working on getting some new stuff, but that's inside the nest. And then we're on Instagram and Twitter right now. So inside the nest zero. I don't know why we had to put a zero there though. It is what it is. Zach, where people find you? Yeah. The big 10 football talk podcast is on Spotify mostly, but we are starting to get stuff up on YouTube. Um, you can find us there, Spotify. You can email me and follow me uh, on X at Big Ten Football Talk and Big Ten Football Talk at gmail.com. Um, and we'll be posting our first episode back on Monday. I had to take a, a brief hiatus, but and then I'll be back here next week. So excited to 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 be kind of the the co-host of February here on the Big Ten Huddle. So excited to to continue to be here with you, Jr. Yep, excited to have you here, man. Uh, and Chris, I think he'll be excited to have you back too. Great show, gentlemen. I always want to feel like a great listening audience. I feel like I have to come. Wonderful job. Back. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Thank you guys for coming on. Uh, we'll see Cheers, you next guys. time.